This is Jenny Allen, and you are listening to the Made For This podcast. Thanks to HelloFresh for supporting Made For This. Go to HelloFresh.com slash MadeForThis16 and use code MadeForThis16 for 16 free meals across seven boxes and three free gifts. On this episode of Made For This, we will be reading Philippians 2 verses 1 through 5. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. And now let's hear from Jenny. So one of the most unique things about being a Christian is supposed to be that we do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, we regard each other more important than ourselves. And and this is really grounded in what Paul's going to lay out as the mind of Christ and how he lived. Like what it means to be a Christian is that we follow Christ, that we're Christ followers. And so what a Christ follower does is it looks at how Christ lived and we we do our best to live like it. And man, did he live that out well. I mean, God came to earth, and rather than build a kingdom for himself, he died for the people that would eventually kill him. (laughs) He died for those that would hurt him, those that would hurt him on earth, those that despised him. And so this backwards way of living is supposed to display Christ to the world. Just 101, if you're new here, if you don't know Jesus and you're thinking to yourself, I want to learn more, let me let me give you the 101 of Christianity. Philippians 2 does it so well, and it actually describes the mind of Christ. And, and that mind is that though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And this is what we're called to do. And this is how we're called to live. And it is backwards from the world. So in this passage, and you're looking at the first generation of the church, you're already seeing this tendency to consider love to be love like the world. And what Paul wants to do is he wants to say, no, love is a completely different foreign concept to the world. It's so different that God became man to show us the love of God and that it would be so different than what everyone was expecting because instead of showing his importance, he deferred his importance for our good. And so when you think about friendship and you think about the things you're aching for in a friend, and then you think about the ways that you're just longing to have people love you, you're longing and we're built to be loved like this. This is how you were built to be loved because God built you for his love and his love is this complete. It's that sacrificial. And so when we go into relationships and everyone is coming to the table and they're thinking of themselves, everything breaks down and it should because it's not how it was designed to be. And Paul desperately wanted this for the Philippians. He wanted this for two reasons. One, he knew that they could never be healthy. They could never run hard together if they didn't love each other in this way. And two, he knew that the world would never see the love of God through them unless they got this right, that this had to be the way that they would love each other. 
And what is the obstacle to that? I believe the enemy like is strategic and he brings different forms of attack. And the specific form of attack I see against our same mind is competition. That among our people, we are dividing and competing instead of cheering for each other and encouraging. This is where everything could shift in the way that the world sees how we love each other is if we would go from dividing and competing to celebrating and encouraging. And this is what Paul did. And it's not like he agreed with everything everyone else was doing. He was quick to call things out when they were wrong, but he was quick to also express the love of God for those people and to remember that he is not fighting flesh and blood. And Ephesians, when he talks really specifically about the enemy, he says this about the enemy. He says, hey, we don't war against flesh and blood. We war against cosmic forces and principalities. This is what we're warring against. And, and it's so good to remember this. So, of course, the most effective way for the enemy to stop the work of God on earth is to have us devour each other instead of celebrate each other and work together. And, and this is why I care about this so much. It's, it's not just for our own happiness. It's not just so that we can have friends and like know who to go to dinner with when we're feeling lonely. It's, it's so that we can be effective for eternity. It's so that people will come to know Christ because of our love, that our love would speak so boldly and clearly of Jesus, that it would be contagious, that it would cause other people to want to follow God. I think of my daughter in middle school. She has an amazing group of friends. And recently they realized, you know what? We need to start inviting people to come with us places. And, and she was hesitant because she was like, mom, I mean, these girls don't love God. And I don't think they'd want to come with us. And I said, why don't you ask and try? And sure enough, they just pop right in. They're so excited. And now those girls are just a part of their group of friends. And they're going to small group with them. And it's just, I think people are craving friendship. And when friendship is done right, and when friendship is healthy and, and not cutting down and not divisive, I think it's contagious and people are going to want to be part of it. Here's my encouragement to you today. If you are exhausted by that and you're tired of noticing and looking side to side and seeing what everybody else is doing and feeling like you don't measure up, put your phone down. In fact, I would delete Instagram and I would delete Facebook. I would delete Twitter. I would delete Snapchat. Just put your phone in a place where you cannot touch it for a few days, where there is a chance for your soul to feel the pleasure and delight of God again, where there's a chance in space for you to retrain your mind. When we get tired of jealousy, what do you do? Don't look side to side for a little while. Guys, life is busy. And you know, sometimes I get a little tired of making the same recipes that I've made over and over and over, and I need some inspiration. And that's where HelloFresh comes in for me. We have fun cooking with HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Go to HelloFresh.com slash MadeForThis16 and use code MadeForThis16 for 16 free meals across seven boxes and three free gifts. What we love about HelloFresh is that you can customize all of your favorite dishes with Hello Custom now. So by swapping out one protein or a side, you can upgrade for a more luxe experience or you can even add protein to a veggie meal. That means even more choices, more variety, and 55 weekly options that you can pick from. So here's how it works. You skip the grocery store, you use your app, you pick your meals for the week, and they show up fresh straight from the farm to your doorstep. And it's a one-stop shop for all your mealtime needs. HelloFresh is even 72% cheaper than dining at a restaurant and is even cheaper than grocery shopping. 
I haven't had a HelloFresh meal yet that I did not like, but one recently in my box that I think I told you guys about before, but it was out of this world, which was the roasted chickpea Caesar salad. This one was a hit. I love making HelloFresh meals. They're fun, they're easy. You can pause if you're going out of town or you can even ship your HelloFresh box to your destination for the week to make vacation cooking even easier. Go to HelloFresh.com slash MadeForThis16 and use code MadeForThis16 for 16 free meals across seven boxes and three free gifts. Well, when I think about uh, what I fell in love with um, when I met you, it was your passion. It was that you were a dreamer, that you were emotional and you were up and down, but you were going to follow Jesus no matter the cost. And that girl that I fell in love with I think uh, because of my insecurity early on in marriage is what I essentially tried to stifle, almost kind of kill your passion because I, I couldn't control it. And because my view of maturity in the Christian life was about uh, keeping your poise uh, and consistency at all costs, I thought that was maturity. And uh, that wasn't who you were. And so it led to some tough early years for us, so much so that, that I, I didn't feel like I knew what to do with this, this human that I was married to. Yeah. And so I came home about year five, and I had felt like I just kind of had lost my personality because I desperately wanted to please you. And as strong as I am, I cared a lot more about our relationship than I cared about anything else. And so I, I think almost out of idolatry, I really squished everything that God had made me to be and realized and was convicted that that was not pleasing God and that was not obedient. That was fear. And so I came to you and said, I really think we need to go to counseling. You weren't so sure about it. I think that caused you to feel what? Yeah, I think I think that any time that we got in conflict early in marriage, I always was thinking, how do I fix this? And if I couldn't figure out a solution, or if we continue to have the same fight over and over, it felt like that I was a failure. And it was like, this is, I'll never be good at this. Mm -hmm. I'll, ne I'll, I'll never be able to be what you need in this moment. Yeah. We and got we got married as little babies. kids. We yeah. were 20. We were, in, we, were <laughs> we were 20. And yeah, I, I think it is there's some blessings about that, but it also was, you know, we weren't mature and we didn't know how to do things. But I honestly see these same issues and struggles whatever age you get married. I I think that what you can tend to do is want the other person and this is true in all relationships to be what you need them to be and figuring out how to lean into what that other person needs rather than what you need them to be. That is what we've had to learn over time and years. I think what's fun about our marriage is that primarily that I, what's my favorite thing is that we are such good friends. So mm -hmm. let's talk about um, marriage now because it would be easy. In fact, you constantly get the question of like, is it hard for you that your wife has such a public facing mm -hmm. platform and is such a strong leader and leads so many different people around the world? And you've always just smiled and been like, it's not hard at all. Mm -hmm. So talk a little bit about that journey and what it's looked like to be my biggest cheerleader because you genuinely are. Yeah. I, it wasn't always easy. I think early on, what, what happened was, is that uh, we were merging our church. So I pastored a church and so I was on stage and you were raising our three kids. And really about the same time as we were merging our church and I was kind of 
stepping off stage and handing off some leadership of our church, that was when you were being thrown on stage. And so it was really an interesting kind of vulnerable time for me to process of, well, what does this mean for me now that I'm not on stage? And then what does this mean? Uh, we, we had no idea what was about to happen uh, kind of with ministry and kind of your public platform. We didn't, we didn't necessarily see that coming. But whenever I started feeling the insecurities, uh, because I recognized that uh, this was going to cost our family, whatever we committed for you to do outside the home, outside the, these young kids, uh, it was going to cost our family. And, and I remember kind of taking some time away and just praying. And what I just came back to is just Ephesians five of the, how Christ nourishes the church. He cherishes and nourishes the church. And I was thinking about how I do that with you and recognizing my wife has been given unique callings and gifts and opportunities. And there's going to be a day that I stand before Jesus and I give an account for how I stewarded my wife's gifts. And so uh, for me, it was at the end of the day, if God's call on my life is to pastor my family and just to pastor my family and the call on my wife's life is to pastor and to shepherd thousands of women. Like if that's all, is that okay? Is that okay? Am I content with that? Is that a life worth living? And I could say without a doubt, absolutely. And so getting to that place where I was secure in my identity in Christ, and and it didn't depend on my role, my job, my financial status. I was still leading my family. This was not a this was not a me being passive. This was me leading in a way that just definitely looked different than probably what I pictured going into marriage. I mean, we view each other and our family really as a, a family ministry unit, and this is the collective output of our family ministry. And sometimes it looks like you, sometimes it looks like me, sometimes it looks like our kids. Yeah. But we we all recognize that we play a role in that. And just sometimes different people are on stage. Okay. So this is, I want to take just a minute and go here because when I think about the world and what it tells us, there is this idea of competition in families mm-hmm. that if somebody goes out the door and wins, that everybody else is going to be resentful and bitter mm-hmm. about that. And mm-hmm. that has not been our experience at all. It makes me so mad when I see movies about this. Like we went and saw Incredibles 2 and, you know, the dad was bitter because the mom was succeeding. And I'm like, what kind of storylines is our Hollywood building? That's not how it works. Like we feel like a family unit that anybody that walks out the door and succeeds or risks something or goes and creates something, like we are going wild for them because mm-hmm. we know that they're an extension of the the work of our family. And so I think we we definitely see each other as a team. And when somebody wins in our family, it feels like we all won and we're all celebrating that that thing in that person's life. And I think, you know, this idea of individualism versus a family unit, like it just, it's not how we work. Mm-hmm. So when I've won, like it's as if like he cries about the work I do a million times more than I cry about it. He cries all the time. Every time I speak and he listens, every time something good happens, like he tears up. And I know it's because you feel what? I don't even know. You don't Oh, I'm just so proud of you. (laughs) I'm just so proud of you because some people, like you think of the Apostle Paul of, of going away into Arabia for years and 
and as a, as a new Christian and learning scriptures. And then all of a sudden we get what we get in the new Testament and like, Whoa, Paul's, this theology is so deep and he's so grounded. Some people get that opportunity. You got thrown up on stage and not that God hadn't grown you off of stage, but I've gotten to watch you in marriage and God grow you kind of up in front of people. And so that's that's who I'm married to, and that's who lives in our house, and it's the same person that that is out there in a public way, and so so there's integrity there, and so uh, and so when you go out or or you or you produce a book or a Bible study or a podcast, and I get to see it or get to listen to it, it absolutely makes me emotional because I'm just so proud of the work you're doing. It's like we don't want to put stuff out in the world that is just neutral. We want God to use this. And so, yeah, it's easy to be your cheerleader. (laughs) Okay. I love you so much. We know that you guys will love the Find Your People study guide that has streaming video and just goes even deeper into the scripture and the topics that Jenny talks about in the book. What we always recommend is that you start with the book, do the book club kit with us, go along that journey through the book, and then when you're done with the book club, do the Bible study. It's actually two different resources, but they go together, and it really is a whole experience that your group can do, you can do individually, that can help you build deep community in a really, really lonely world. The Find Your People Bible Study is available now at all retailers. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time for another episode of the Made for This podcast.